be a little bit different in, uh, in the deal. Just so if you want a copy of this, I'd encourage you to get the CD from the first service and that because I'm going to have to abbreviate part of this to get through. But because the outline is here, uh, you'll be able to get it all in this. I want to encourage you to uh, I don't know how you use these outlines, but one reason I put them together is that sometimes uh, I give a lot of information out in a message and stuff. And sometimes you feel like you're on overload, but by being able to go back and to study it and uh, really to get it down on the inside of you. How many know this is a day and age of voices? Today in an age of voices, and uh, one thing that we have, you know, it, I'm good, I have my iPad up here, I'm going to use it, I have some notes on it and stuff, I love technology and doing that stuff, but the problem is, is that if you're using your phone right now for your Bible or something, I just encourage you to put it on airplane mode, because what it means on airplane mode, it means that somebody can't call in, it means that while you're listening to the Word of God and you're reading your Bible, somebody else can't get, a, another voice can't get to you, you're saying, God, I'm giving you this time to just have you be the voice that's speaking in my life. I like the convenience of that. I have all the apps. I told the kids in Bible school, man, I use this. I have all the apps and the, and the things that help me to do my study. But there's sometimes you just need to be available just to one voice, and that's his voice. How many would like it if God woke you up every day with, good morning, how you doing? We're going to have a great day today. This is the plans and the purposes that I have for you. And, and, and that you just heard God's audible voice speaking to you. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you know what to do? Well, his written word is his voice to you. And so learning to respect God's voice and to hear his voice and, and to listen. But we live in a day and an age when, when no matter what, with our phones, with different things, we're just inundated by voices. And every voice has a motive behind it. Every voice is driven by something, has purpose connected to it. There, there's a principle in the word of God that all word is seed. Every word is a seed. The Bible says in 1 Peter that if you're here today and you're born again, you got saved by receiving the incorruptible seed of God's word. Mary became pregnant with Jesus by receiving the word of the archangel Gabriel. And that word was planted in her spirit. And that word literally produced life in her womb. She became pregnant by the living Word of God. So God's Word contains His life. Amen? And so, but, but other, word, it have, other, other words have other life behind them, and it's not the life of God. And they have purpose behind them. How many of you agree this morning? And so learning how to do that. A couple of weeks ago, we started this lesson in 1 John, and we said there's two things that everybody needs in their life. Number one is deliverance, and the second is discipleship. When we get saved, you get delivered from the powers of darkness. Well, once I've been delivered, now I need to know how to walk. So I'm in a new kingdom. I, I, I have new uh, uh, regulations really to live by, a new standard. How do I order my life? The, the Bible says that in Psalm says 51, I believe it is, he that orders his conversation aright. Well, the word conversation there means conduct and lifestyle. So he that conducts his life properly so that God will show them the salvation of God. So I order my lifestyle right, then I see the salvation of God. I don't know about you, I want to see that in my life. I want to see God's Word that actually works. I don't want to be somebody that reads the Word and that gets frustrated because it doesn't work in our life. <clears throat> and so the gospel of, uh, uh, the, the epistle of 1 John comes to us as an encouragement 
for us to live the authentic faith life. John wants us all to live the authentic faith life and really to be partakers of the fullness of the life that God has for us. So he gives us instructions. I said in the first lesson on this is that we remember who this is written to. It's not written to unbelievers. It's written to believers. So the instruction is there. does not apply to somebody else. It applies to me as a believer. Every encouragement that is there is instruction for my life. How many would agree? And so it's important that we read the Word of God like that. And then I love it that as you begin to read, I don't know about you, but how many times, how many of you that when you open the Word of God, it begins to speak to you about you? I mean, it's kind of hard to read the Bible and put somebody else in there when you're reading it. I mean, it's one thing to sit in church and go, I know somebody who's needed to be here today. We do that. Wow, Pastor, man, you should have been there. Pastor preached right at you. Too bad you missed it. But when you sit down with the Bible, there's nobody there to go, man, I know who needs this word today. No, it's your word today. Amen? So it, it always does. It always brings that conviction in our life, and it brings that light to our life for purpose. And uh, so read with me, beginning in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought also himself ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write to you no new commandment, no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, and again, a new commandment I write to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away <clears throat> excuse me and the true light is coming he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now and he who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause of stumbling in him but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded his eyes holy spirit we need you to come right now and to do what only you can do. We need you to bring clarity of understanding and truth to our hearts. We need you to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. How many have ever taken a class and then when it came time to test time, you failed the test? I have. How you been? But the purpose of taking a class is not just to take the class, but it's to learn what's being taught so I can apply it to my life. And the purpose of the test isn't to make me feel bad. The purpose of the test at the end of the class isn't so that I feel bad. It's so that I have a proper uh, perspective on what I've learned from the class. Doing all right? And so the same thing comes in our walk with God. And so there's a test that God gives us on how we can know that we know Him. Am I learning this or am I just kind of tripping on myself? 
Am I getting it? Do I think I know it? Or is it really working in our life? And so John helps us take our focus off of others and place it back on our personal walk and relationship with God in Christ. Look at the cover of your outline. We, when we began, we read the first 12 verses all the way down to the first two verses of chapter 2 that we reread this morning. But John laid out the clarity and the simplicity of truth concerning a relationship with the Father through the Son. As Uh, Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. He now goes on to give us a way to test ourselves and to prove ourselves to ourselves the sincerity of our relationship with God. And so many times we see people, and, and, and here's what I want to understand. Many times in my pastoring, we, we have people coming to church, and we're walking with God, and we go, how many need to get their heart right with God and people right? And, 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 and we, we kind of get that label in Pentecostalism, Evangelicalism, that people are getting saved and saved and saved again. I have no problem getting saved and saved and saved again. But the, sometimes we struggle because we don't have the assurance or the knowing in our hearts that we need to have. And so John gives us a way to know. People want assurance of their salvation. We want and we need to know that we are saved. We all want the rest in our souls that come from knowing. How many would agree? We just need that rest. See, and, and, and I had to change it. I challenge everybody in first service to read the epistle, First John. It's, just, it's only uh, 120, uh, 103 verses. Okay, You can do this. You could read it. And, and, and get in there. It's just a few verses in there and uh, in five chapters. But then watch for the word know and where it comes out and highlight it. And I, I went back during service and I looked again and I forgot to mark one. So there's 28 times in the next 93 verses. John makes the declaration of the things we can know and how we can know them. Nine of those 28 times he makes the declaration by this we know. Nine times he says by this we know. We just read two of them. By this we know. Look at it. Verse Verse 3, by this we know that we know him. And then he says in verse 5, by this we know that we are in him. So we know him and we know that we are in him. How many know Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creator. So John said, this is how you know you are in him. So there's a test to know. I don't know about you, I like passing tests. When I had to go back to my ordination, they made me take a test. And I said, I've been serving God 35 years. I don't want to take a test. I didn't take a test. And so I had to take this test. But I was excited. I passed it with 94%. I was so excited. I said, yeah, I got an A. But I had to study like crazy. I had to do all this because you had to memorize all this stuff. There was the elements I had to memorize. I said, man. But, but I wanted to pass. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so as much as I want that, in life, in my walk with God, I want my life and my walk with God to be in the fullness of all that he has, not to come up short. So we have to be bold enough to test ourselves. And he makes this declaration by this we know. This is the declared absolute. And I said it at the beginning when we started this lesson and the first lesson on this is that most people don't have a problem with understanding the word of God. We have a problem with the authority of the word of God. And so we're good at reading until it brings authority to our life. And I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but, but how many of you have children? Or have had children or raised children? I have all these grandkids now, and all my kids are grown. But you know when we have children, and, and, and we speak over their life, and we set uh, uh, coverings over their life in the form of command or rule, and that, how many know we're not doing that to control them? We're doing that to cover them, to protect them. And when they obey and they live under the things we've asked them to do and they do things, how many know that we love blessing them under that covering? 
Amen. And, and so there, there's provision, there's protection, there's blessing under command and, and under obedience in that. But, but tell me, know that as children, our children, you know, if you, if you say, you know, Billy, don't touch that. Billy doesn't go, oh, man, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's so awesome. Let me give you five bucks for looking out after me. You know, they just don't do that. They get mad. You know, don't touch that. Come away from here. Don't do that. Eh. And, and so they rebel. And so sometimes we kind of act like that. Amen. When it comes to the commandments of God, well, I want to do it my way. I want to do this. I want to have my way. I want to do this. I want to do that. I don't understand why I can't. And, but because God gives us this great covering. And he says, by this we can know. Look at the inside of your outline. See, in the other 19 times, and we want to look at those things as well, are proving points, tests of validity, grounds for assurance, and anchors for our soul. As I began this study a couple months ago, I did it because of these declared things. Because there's not just one or two, but 28 times this is referred to. Declared truths of knowing. So I think there's something John wants us to know. Amen? He begins with the first of the nine as we read in verse, verse 3 there. By this we know. So what do we know? That we know Him. It is a resolved and sure understanding of Him in our hearts and in our lives. It is the act of knowing. Knowing Him in action, not just in object. It's one thing to know about God. It's one, another thing to actually know Him. See, there are many of you that know I'm the pastor of Solid Rock Faith Center, but you don't know me. You don't know that I really did cook that chicken. <laughs> or that, or, or, or the different things about me. I mean, there's things, and there's things that I don't know you. I, I know you, I see you, and, and, and I know you come to church here. And you know I go to church here. You know I get up and talk way too long. You know many things about me. <laughs> but, but you don't know me. How many know what I'm saying? But then you get to know me and you go, wow, he is a super cool dude. I never realized Pastor was that awesome that he was that cool. And he was so funny. I never knew. But see, so the, it, it, it's your lack, but I'm available, praise the Lord. But see, there's a difference than knowing an object and really knowing. He declares the way we know him is how we walk. John says if we keep and practice and do His commandments, that's a proof that we know God. He follows this declaration with what many would call a very aggressive statement. Most would not be so bold today to say what John said. Why? It would, be, it would not be correct. We must be more sensitive. See, all the voices around us today say don't talk like the Word talks. If you listen to all the voices that are in your life today, the multiplicity of voices, then, then it tells you, we can't talk like that today. It's not correct. We must be more sensitive, compassionate, caring, understanding of the sensitive nature of the human heart and the psyche if we want to reach them. This is a statement which a religious spirit we touched on in the first lesson We'll try to water down, redefine and dismiss through a distorted understanding of the law, legalism, grace, and faith. How many know when you talk to people uh, about obeying the word and living by the word, they'll go, well, hey, praise the Lord, we're under grace, not under law. Amen. Well, true. That's a half-truth, but it's good. Amen. See, John boldly declares... John boldly declares, he who says I know him and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth isn't in him. So somebody who says I'm a Christian, 
but isn't a life, it is not living a life that is in obedience to God's word, John says that person isn't telling the truth. But see, look, it's not that he's not telling the truth to you. That person isn't telling the truth to themselves. Okay? Because in that area, you'll see this in just a moment. Are you with me this morning? But see, he wants to give us this assurance of knowing by this, we know. See? This is one of those places where a religious spirit will say, it really doesn't mean that. And then redefine the word and the truth and thus actually making God a liar. See, when it comes to living by the word and keeping the commandments of God, many times we're told that it is legalism and that we're not under the law but under grace. But hear me this morning, grace does not replace obedience. Grace does not replace obedience. You say, Pastor, how come you're preaching like this this morning? Because every Christian needs deliverance and getting saved, and then you need discipleship. I'm giving you discipleship this morning and truth on how to live for God and to end up in His presence. Are you with me? See, grace empowers us to live in obedience to His Word and to do the Word. Look at what he said. But whoever keeps his word guards it by keeping their eye upon it. Truly the love of God. Here the, the love of God is perfected in him. So God's love is perfected in our obedience. I don't know about you, but, but, but when my children were growing up, and even with my grandchildren today, and you watch them, when, when, when they were operating in the covering of their life, in the authority over their life, um, my grandchildren, I see them operating under the covering of their parents, when, when I see my children, and they're operating under, I love blessing my children and my grandchildren. I love blessing. But if they're breaking out and rebelling against that covering, not so much. Amen? But if they're, if they're there, and they're there you, 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 you encourage. So it, it's a covering, but it also is a covering that releases the flow of blessing. Are you with me today? And see, I, I think that's one of the greatest challenges. If you listen to our culture and our society today, one of the biggest challenges that we face in America and part of our problem is how we respond to authority. Amen. And, and, and I'm just honest with you. I don't have any problem with law enforcement. Because I respect law enforcement. I support law enforcement. And if I do have a problem, it's usually because I've stepped out underneath the covering of the law. It's because I think it's okay to drive 15 miles over the speed limit. Because everybody else on the freeway is doing it. And when they pull me over for speeding, it's okay for me to have an attitude that they should have pulled over the guy that passed me while they were pulling me over. Because my disobedience is nothing compared to his. So I'm justified in having an attitude against law enforcement for pulling me over when I was breaking the commandment. And so the only person I'm messing up is myself. Amen? And so I find out it goes a lot better. When I get pulled over for speeding, I said, thank you, officer. My foot was out of control. You saved my life. <laughs> Amen. It, 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 it was close to being possessed. You saved me right at that time. Amen. Amen. Watch. See, many forget the purpose of God's word is not to leave us uncomfortable in our sin. The purpose of God's Word is not to leave us comfortable in our sin. God doesn't come so you stay comfortable where He can't bless you. That, that's, that's not His will. 
See, watch this. Guys, turn off the lights again if you would. These up here too. See, watch this. First John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Sean, come here. Okay. So he's coming out of darkness into the light. So now what's he have to do? If he wants to walk, where does he have to walk? In the light. So if the light moves, what does he have to do? He has to stay in the light. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have, we have fellowship. No, no, if you walk in the light, it doesn't matter how fast the light goes, it's up to you to stay in the light. I don't get paid enough. <laughs> okay. See, that's the problem. So now he's just in gross darkness. Hallelujah. All right, give me some light back. But see, if we're in the light under that covering, God says you have to walk in the light. The light is his word, and the way we keep ourselves in the light is being in obedience to his word. Because why? God is light. Listen, chapter 1, John said, God is light, and in him is no darkness. I'll turn them off again, guys. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Lights, 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 lights. Sound booth, light, see? We need help in the sound booth if you can have it. Amen. So, uh, so God is light. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. So anytime light goes into darkness, what happens to darkness? It, it, it dispels. And so if I, th- this is the deception. If I'm walking in the light as He is in the light, but if I step out of the light into darkness, he cannot, light cannot come into darkness. He calls us out of darkness into the light. But when I say, well, I'm, I, I know him, but I'm not going to keep his commandments. Then, I, then I'm in darkness. And so if I'm over here, but I think in, in darkness, I'm under the blessing of God. I'm not. I'm in darkness. The blessing and the provision and the protection is in the light. So it's your responsibility, my responsibility, to walk in the light. And you have an adversary, as I said, that comes and, and, and tries to get you and I to find an excuse. Yeah, it was, everybody else was going faster than you on the freeway. You were driving 75, and they blew by you going 85, and you're the one that got pulled over. But you were in darkness. And so it is just for you to get pulled over. There's no justification for darkness. There's only promise and protection in light. Are you with me this morning? And so John, because of his love for the people, is writing to us. And this is where we've missed it today. We're so afraid. Lights, guys. We're so afraid that, that if we speak with love to people and we try to cover people and, and we bring the authority back, that somehow we're not speaking in love. The greatest love you can give is to speak truth to people. The greatest thing you can do is to love children. You go out on the streets. I said it years ago. I haven't shared it for a long time. But years, uh, several years ago, we were out on the street. And you can go out on an on on a evening and many times on a weekend, a Friday or a Saturday night. You go down on the streets, a place where you go to any city, any town, and you'll find young teenagers in there, 13, 14, 15 years old. You'll find them walking the streets and say, what are you doing out here? Do your parents know where you are? They'll go, they don't care. And so here's a child that says, I'm not covered, I'm not protected, and they would give anything for somebody to care. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? And so God cares enough that he puts a provision and he puts a, a boundary of protection around our life. And that's exactly what the commandments of God. They're a boundary of protection and a covering of authority and a place where his blessing flows to our life. Stay with me this morning. So we forget that. Now think about this morning. A doctor never exposes the disease or the problem to make us feel bad about ourselves. He diagnoses the problem to prescribe the cure. So the Word of God is what Christ uses as a great physician to diagnose our problem with sin and prescribe the cure of a Savior. See, all are quick to repent and quickly change their lifestyle when the doctor says you have cancer or a life-threatening disease, you need to change your lifestyle or die. How many would change if the doctor told you that tomorrow if you went in? You went in for a checkup, the doctor said, we ran the test, we did the checkup, you have a life-threatening disease, you must change or die. How many would repent? We, we, we repent on the spot. We wouldn't go, how can you say that to me? You don't love me. You're trying to take my Krispy Kremes away. You have a thing about Krispy Kreme. I mean, know what I'm saying? We, 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 we wouldn't, you, you go, wow, really? I want to live so I will change. I want to live so I, thank you. What do, what do I need to do to live? See, we're quick to do that. See, in order to preserve their natural life, people will gladly repent, change, cut things off. They'll put off the old destructive habits and conduct, and, and conduct in obedience to the word of the doctor. Yet many block the diagnosis of God's word for their souls and spiritual well-being. They, being, they continue in their old lifestyle to their own destruction. See, I'm always amazed at how much care and expense we go to pre preserve our natural flesh here as long as possible. We want to pump it up, fill it up, blow it up, lift it up, <laughs> juice it up, vitamin it up, everything. When at best, it's only for a hundred years. Maybe a few more. Yet I wonder how many give the same amount of thought and concern for their spiritual and eternal well-being. Think about it. See, the problem we have many times with God's Word is not that we don't understand it. It's that His Word is like an x-ray. An x-ray that reveals what's under the covering of our skin. Our hearts and our souls are on the screen before our eyes, revealing the brokenness and damage of sin. I don't know about you, I read the Word and I get convicted. I just get convicted. And then I call Sue in. I say, you need to hear this. As soon as I say that, I feel better. No, I don't. I just go, God. But see, many times what we do is we'll say, Lord, I hear that, and I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'll respond to that tomorrow. And we keep saying tomorrow, and we procrastinate with our spiritual health. We're doing all right? So look at Hebrews 4. I put it there in your outline out of the Message Bible. God means what He says. What He says goes. Get this. His powerful word is as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. 
See, today in our society, we don't want to be under the word, but there's a day that all men will stand and give an account before God for his word. Are we doing all right? Stay with me. See, the first thing John has declared we can know is, by this we know that we know him. Why? We keep his commandments. Not our version of them. Amen. How many of you, if you you ask your children to do something, and they do their version of what you asked them to do? Is that okay? Amen. I know you said take the trash out, but I put my underwear away. That's good. That's kind of like work, right? I know you said do this, but I did this instead. Does that work? No. Okay. So with us, the same principle is there with us when God speaks into our lives. Think about it. Not our version of them. Only through keeping His Word. Hear that. And when we keep it, His love is perfected in us. What an amazing promise that by walking with I can know that I know Him when I'm keeping His Word and walking in His commandment. And then His love is being perfected in my life. Hear me this morning. And I probably won't be able to finish this, the second part, but I want you to hear this. The only person I can lie to is myself. And the only person I can deceive is myself. How many have ever met somebody that was a really good liar? I've met a lot. I've been professional. To be a good liar, to be a really good liar, you have to convince yourself that what you're saying is the truth. Uh, If somebody is a con person or a con man, they believe, they convince themselves They know, I need to manipulate this person to what I want them to do. I need to con this person and convince them to do what I want them to do. So I know that what I'm going to say to them isn't the truth, but I have to so convince myself that it is the truth that I speak with the conviction of truth when I speak the lie. A good liar will speak with truth, the conviction of truth, Behind the lie that they know they're speaking. So they first lie to themselves. And in order to con somebody else, you have to first con yourself. Believe the con. And the best people who are believing. It's kind of like when the best actors are the people who can immerse themselves in the part. They can become that person. And to be a great liar, you have to become the lie. And to con or deceive somebody, you have to deceive yourself. And so in, in all of this, when we look that in, in understanding, John's tried to get us to know, come on, the only person that's paying the price for this is ourselves. Amen. I can't blame. You, you, uh, l- l- let, me, let me use one example. And, and it's wrong and it's true and it needs to be exposed. Please don't take this out of context or how I'm saying it. But I, I will use smoking as an example. Okay, most people know that smoking is hazardous to your health. That if you ingest, ingest something that contains nicotine and tar, the nicotine is addictive, the tar is damaging to your lungs. And if you do that long enough, the likelihood is, is that you will do physical damage to your own lungs. Now, for me to blame the alcohol people, I mean the, the tobacco company for selling it, yes, there should be restrictions, there should be law, and, and all that should be exposed. But once it's out there, we have known for so long. But if I get to the end of my life, if I keep smoking, and then I get to the end of my life, and I now have emphysema, 
or COPD, and I have ingested all this so long that I have damaged my lung, and then I'm saying, God, why don't you heal me? The same thing is true, that if I say I walk in the light and I don't walk in the light, then I'm deceiving, I, I'm ingesting, I'm, I'm putting, applying darkness to my, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm making the application of darkness. Well, Lord, why did you let me stumble? I didn't let you stumble. I invited you to walk in the light. You chose to walk in the darkness. You're stumbling in the darkness because you choose not to lie. You're, you're having problems with your lung because you keep taking this into your lung. It, it, the people who drink too long, we know that alcohol creates problems with your liver. So if I get cirrhosis of the liver or do another thing, I found out that shooting drugs into my arm produces hepatitis C. It damages and attacks my liver. So I I had to deal with that, but it's what I shot into my arm. Are you with me? And then God's grace can move on our behalf, but in this we have to understand we're the one that's lying to ourselves. We're the one that's deceiving ourselves. See, if I'm not practicing and keeping His Word and commandments, the truth is not in me. My only alternative is this, to put on a coat of denial woven from the fabric of religious excuses and self-justification. Or I can go back to the invitation in 1 John 1 and confess and repent and be cleansed by the blood, and walk in the light with Him. Bill, can you worship team come back? Let's have everybody come back. And I don't have time to finish this this morning in this part. But the second part deals with, by this we know that we are in Him on how we walk as He walked. And he goes on to say, He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause of stumbling in him. Hear me this morning. You and I can only hate through unforgiveness. The only way you can hate somebody is through unforgiveness in your life. You can't forgive somebody and then hate them. How many would agree? You need to hear this this morning as they're getting ready. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Amen. See, to truly love is an act of your will. Love isn't, is centered in the will, not in our emotions. True love is unconditional and always seeks forgiveness and restoration, which is exactly how God loves us. Romans 5 says, 5 says that while we were yet sinners, God loved us and sent His Son. Hear me this morning. While you were your worst, God loved you with His best. While you were your worst, while I was my worst, God loved me with His best. Not at my best point. Not when I got better. He didn't give His love to me. Because God willed at the beginning of time. Before time began, God willed. Because the Bible says before the foundation of the world, Christ was slain. God willed to love humanity. And nothing humanity will ever do, can ever do, can change God's will to love us. The Spirit of God spoke this morning in, in, in three words, prophetic words this morning. And declared His love to us. God has declared, I will to love you. Nothing you've done can do that. In fact, even when you were at your worst, I loved you and I gave my son to die for you so I could receive you to myself so you could be in the light with me. God's will isn't changed by our actions. His love isn't moved by our actions. But it's up to us whether we receive that or not. That's His invitation to us. And so for you and I, we've had to deal with unlovable people. 
But we have to love them anyway. We have to have it centered in our will. Why? This is so important to understand. If we don't love, then what happens is, I need you to go to your back page. I just want to close with this. See, in my opinion, just about a little ways down from the top, in my opinion, the number one snare the devil uses against God's people is unforgiveness. The number one thing you people struggle with through life is unforgiveness. We listen to some of our young people and some of our teens. Our kids come back from camp. They, they begin sharing their testimonies of hurts and of pains in their life at early ages. We come from broken homes, dysfunctional homes. We're abused by people who we should have been able to trust. Different things happen all the way through our life. And then once that unforgiveness gets in there, it soon turns to bitterness. And eventually it metastasized into hate. See, John said such thing can't abide in the light with Christ. To think otherwise is to create a stumbling block for ourselves. See, hate produces darkness, and light and darkness cannot abide together. It's so easy for a religious spirit to try to justify a little hatred, to hold on to a little darkness because of the wounds of injustice, abuse, and pain contracted by the hands and actions of others. I hear it all the time, you don't know what they did to me. But watch, Jesus was forgiving those who were nailing him to the cross. And we say, you don't know what they did to me. While they're driving the spikes through his wrist and through his feet, shoving the crown, beating him, he is forgiving those who are abusing him. And John says, by this we know that we abide in him, that we walk as he walked. He loved the ones who crucified him. Why? I have to skip down. Because he knew that only through love could they be redeemed. Only, it was only through love. Could he, he, it, we didn't have it in us to repent. And sometimes there's people around, they don't have it in us. So we just have to love in spite of it. Are you with me? Because only through love can they be redeemed. And only through love will we experience the redemptive grace of God working through our lives and bringing His healing virtue to bear upon our brokenness again. I put this in here as a statement I want you to hear. Love does not mean access. People say, well, do I have to love them? They hurt me. They abuse. Do I have to love them? Do I have to give them access back in my life? No, I don't. No, I don't. I love you, but I don't have to give you access back into my life. I love you, but I don't have to give you access back into my life. See, unforgiveness, bitterness, and hatred corrode and destroy like an acid, the vessel that tries, like an acid, the vessel that tries to contain them. Just like worry and anxiety, we were not created to contain them or to carry them. They're foreign agents and contrary to God's original intent for our lives. You were not created to worry. If you, ask, you go to the doctor, you ask medical science, go find out and study what happens when you worry. God did not create you to worry. There's a reason Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Worry produces anxiety. Anxiety is internal stress. Internal stress causes you, literally causes you, when people say, I have ulcers, I have this, that's because you are eating yourself alive with worry. You, just like taking in the, you are taking this into yourself. You're literally eating yourself 
alive. You are destroying, physically destroying your own health by worrying. And then when I take bitterness and unforgiveness into myself, when I hold that against somebody, you were not created to carry unforgiveness or to carry bitterness or to carry hatred. It is counterproductive to your physical health, just like worry and anxiety. Medical science will get, tell you if you can get people to let go of their hatred and their bitterness and their resentment, they start getting better. If you can get them to quit worrying, they start getting better. Worry releases your gastric juices on the inside. And when you don't have any food in there, you start digesting yourself. That's how you get an ulcer. It eat, you eat a hole in your own stomach. And so when God says, by this we know that we abide in Him, when we love one another, we can't say, I hate, because what I'm doing is I'm deceiving myself. And I'm creating a stumbling block for myself. And so I can go, God, heal me. Just take that sucker out. Deal with that person. Get that person. Da, 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 da. No. See, I can't carry that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, people say, well, what is 1 John 1 all about? If we confess our sin, bow your heads with me. I'll tell you right now, I'll confess as your pastor. Almost daily, there are things that I allow myself to do. And I feel the Spirit of God pressing on me not to do it. But I make that promise of later. And I'm just telling you about me. I'm not, I don't know about you. I'm just saying me. And being a pastor and being involved with people, I have unending opportunities to be upset. To get offended. Dealing with situations. And I have to say, Father, forgive me. Help me to walk in love. Help me to love. Help me to not be offended. Help me not to become calloused and cold. Father, help me. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So, see, I can either make excuses. I can put it off. I, I can become religious. Or I can desire to pass the test. Of knowing Him and abiding in Him. I can pray and say, Father, forgive me. Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, grace me to be obedient to Your Word. Father, grace me and empower me to walk in love. I choose, I will to love. Maybe you're here like me today and you battled with those same things. Then this little letter was written to you. John wrote to believers. Said, hey. How are you doing with the test? Are you keeping His commandments? Are you walking in love as He walked? My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe like me and you'd say, Pastor, I'm with you. I I allow myself, I, I give myself license and justification and I move out and I know I shouldn't. I feel the Holy Spirit convicting me to walk in the light with the Father. I, I, I sense that in my life. And I, I, I need to commit to that. Even a greater way. 
Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I, I'm like you. I, I, I just, I've struggled in this area of just this forgiveness and walking with people, but I, I don't want to do damage to myself. I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to deceive myself. I want God's healing in my life. I want His life in my life. I wonder if there's anybody just raise their hand and say, Pastor, I'm like you. I need help in these areas. Is there anybody that that applies to besides me? You just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need help in that area. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you just stand with me just for a moment? See, John's introduction in this letter is so powerful. And then he invites us in to this amazing walk with God. To live in the fullness of all that we can know about our relationship with Him. My prayer for you as your pastor is that you would fully walk in the light with Him. That the enemy wouldn't be able to come against you. Paul wrote and he says, give no place to the devil. And these two major areas of just walking under the covering of God's Word and keeping your heart clean in relationship with people are the two most fundamental things in our life. Loving God and loving people. Loving God and proving it by walking in His Word. Loving people by walking in love towards them. The two most fundamental needs in our life. And God's grace and power is here for you today. I'm just going to ask you to raise both hands towards heaven. I'm going to pray. And I just want to sing this song one more time. The Bible says, I couldn't, the song says, I couldn't run from your presence. And before we leave, I want you to just take a moment, just press into his presence. And while we're singing, I want you, you personally, I can pray for you, but my prayer can't be your prayer. Your prayer has to be your own prayer. Your confession has to be your, I can't confess for you. I, I, I can't ask for you. You approach God on your own. So when we sing, I, I want, I'm going to invite you just to press into God's presence just for a moment before you walk out these doors today. Father, today I pray for your people. Lord, I pray with a holy fervor over them today, God. Lord, that they would understand your draw upon their life, that you're calling them and you're reaching out to them as a loving parent who hasn't set restrictions over their life to, 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 to hold them back. But God, because you love them, you want to protect them and you want to be able to pour your blessing, your provision out over their life. You, you've set this parameter of protection. You've given us your word. You've showed us where the safe place is and where the covering is for their lives, Father. So I pray today, Father, for a openness in their hearts, Lord. To receive your drawing upon their life. And Lord, I thank you that you grace us with the ability to love like you love. We are your children. We're born again of your spirit and you live in us. So Father, today, help us love out of our